This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Guess who's back in the news again? Yeah, Facebook. This one's a doozy. So this story came out late, late, late last night, like around 11 o'clock, which is very, very strategic of Facebook because they know most folks are in bed. And of course, the American Thanksgiving is happening. By the way, happy Thanksgiving to our American friends. I cannot believe I did not say that. That is me. I'm a terrible I'm a family in America. Bad. But yeah, a friend sent this thing to me. So I read it and then my jaw hit the floor because we're talking about the company that, you know, claims it is going to clean up all the fake news, which has just admitted to being a major creator of it. And so they have admitted and apologized now for hiring a research company to, quote, do work on Soros, meaning George Soros or anyone else who is a critic. And Soros once called Facebook a menace to society, which I happen to agree with. But of course, it angered Mark Zuckerberg, who believed, uh, I guess, that Soros was trying to break up his company. So they've admitted to hiring a company called the Definers to discredit critics by planting false stories. They planted them against Soros. Racist, you know, conspiracy theories. They spun up that he was backing the caravans. They spun up that he was trying to take out the Brett Kavanaugh um, an, uh, um, announcement, but also planted stories against Congress members. Because don't forget, Zuckerberg was testifying. And so in a bid to distract, they started coming out with fake news on some of the Congress men and women. So they've issued an apology saying, quote, it was never anyone's intention to play into an anti-Semitic narrative against Mr. Soros or anyone else. And so now, of course, there are a lot of demands that Congress investigate this. But it certainly speaks to, I think, how reckless this platform has become. And it is, you know, they who are clearly the makers and enablers of fake news. Let's bring Jesse Hirsch into this conversation. He is a futurist, a researcher, public speaker, and he joins us now. So, Jesse, it seems like Facebook, you know, they dropped the old uh, midnight bomb on a big holiday, hoping no one would see. But this is quite the bombshell, you know, accused of uh, this anti-Semitic narrative against enemies like Mr. Soros and anyone else who criticizes Facebook. It speaks to their insecurity. I mean, it baffles the mind why a company uh, so profitable, so large, needs to be afraid of people who say bad things about them. <laughs> and if anything, it speaks to how they are in a crisis of trust, that there is, in particular, their advertisers who are questioning the value of working with the company, but also users who are looking for alternatives, looking elsewhere. And I think, if anything, that this uh, specific example of them crossing the line really makes us question, you know, why would a company so powerful that has all this information uh, feel the need to like build enemies lists and build dirty files on people like the Richard Nixon. It, it, it baffles the mind, but if anything speaks to their current vulnerability. Well, it does. And the current, you know, that vulnerability being fake news. I mean, this is the company that says it's going to fake, uh, you know, fight fake news. And here they are making up some of the most, uh, you know, dangerous stories that are you know, floating out there. 
Well, and it also speaks to how the issue isn't so much foreign intelligence agencies, whether Russia or otherwise, but it, but it's PR. It, it's it's the public relations industry that is not so much fake news as it is the evolution of propaganda. Right. That they're so eager to get positive spin. They're so eager to make the company sound good, or in this case, you know, t- uh, try to discredit their enemies because. You know, the same company uh, also built a case against Tim Cook and Apple. And and it, it almost speaks to this kind of corporate information warfare where rather than just be honest about their products and services, they feel this need, I guess, to mimic what politicians do and just throw mud at each other, which, uh, again, speaks to their insecurity, but also just ends up eroding consumers' trust. So it makes me scratch my head as to what they're thinking. Well, right. And, and and Zuckerberg, you know, he didn't know. I mean, it, he doesn't know anything that goes on kind of with all the employees, but he is the head of that company. And something tells me that he's got a very hands-on approach. But where does it go from here? Because they're a huge influence in the world. And a lot of people, you know, they don't know when they're getting propaganda. You know it. I can, you know, work my way through it because I source stuff. But a lot of people on Facebook have no idea they're being fed misinformation and lies. And ultimately, Facebook is just turning into this giant cult of, um, you know, social. Uh, it's like a social cult. Well, I, I agree. And and it, it speaks, I think, to a crisis of leadership that, you know, this shows that not just Mark Zuckerberg, but also Sheryl Sandberg are making really poor business decisions and, and Facebook shareholders are, are in almost open revolt. I mean, there's a growing chorus of people who want Zuckerberg to, to be a chairman and not a CEO, or, or at the very least have an independent chairman. And, and really what they want is adult supervision. That They want to make sure that Facebook is run responsibly, that it doesn't get into these types of dirty tricks. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's this specter of government regulation, which... I don't think it's going to happen because I really don't think that any government in the world understands Facebook enough to actually regulate it. But nonetheless, there needs to be some rules. Sure. There needs, needs to be penalties so that if Facebook doesn't take responsibility, well, then they pay fines and then have incentive to actually take responsibility. Right. I mean, so if I'm Mr. Soros, I mean, he doesn't need the money, but he could certainly sue them into oblivion probably right now. <laughs> but I, I get the sense that this will turn into an investigation because someone's got to answer for this. Absolutely. And and if anything, what we need to know is that Facebook is, is, is not doing other types of dirty tricks. Right. Because the real fear is not that Facebook hires a firm to, like, you know, find evidence against their enemies. The fear is that Facebook uses their own site. Right. Like Facebook starts spying on their own users, which, to be clear, they have not, as far as we know. But that's why trust is so important. And that's why I think it's in Facebook's interest to either create some type of oversight body, maybe of trusted business leaders, or even to try to create a better relationship with their users so that their users felt that they had input and influence into Facebook. Because another way to think of the company is kind of like the biggest country on earth, that there's 2.2 billion people who live in the world of Facebook, but they don't get a vote. It's just Mark Zuckerberg. It's all up to him. And I think increasingly we're seeing he may not have the wisdom. He may not have the experience to actually lead such a large society. 
Right, but given what you just said, they are enormously influential, and Facebook is a very important political tool. It's one that was used in the last election, and we've got a Canadian election coming up in the next year. And so if they don't get their proverbial crap together, I mean, it becomes dangerous because there's so mis- much misinformation being put out on that platform. Well, and, and think about the Canadian laws that govern elections, like yeah. spending limits. Yeah. You know, how do you even know if those spending limits are, are being obeyed? <laughs> If, if all this stuff is happening on Facebook, and Facebook can't even tell you what's going on. And, and for me, it is just an issue of scale. Like, when you have such a big, sprawling site with so many posts and so many information, you know, how do you know that the rules are being followed? How do you know that there aren't dirty tricks? And in particular, if people are sent, you know, a, a direct targeted advertising, if, if people are, uh, the types of stuff they see on their newsfeed. It's not like it's a poster outside that we all get to see. We don't know if people are getting lies. We don't know if people are getting fake news. And, and I think that's the larger issue. And, and, and it's partly why, again, I think Facebook has an opportunity here. I think Facebook has chance to say we made some mistakes. You know, we're growing up, but we're going to be responsible. We're going to take proactive measures. And they've showed glimpses of that. But, you know, uh, Engaging in this type of uh, opposition research, engaging in this type of interference makes them out to be more political than a business. And when you cross that line from providing a service to actually like meddling in public debates, I think that's when we should be alarmed. And that's when we should be thinking, you know what, maybe I could share photos of my kids using a different service. Yeah. Than, than this one. And, and I anecdotally am hearing more and more people make those decisions. Yeah, look, I'm barely on I'm barely on uh, Facebook anymore. If I need to find an interview, I'll go on. But I, I just I don't trust it anymore. I don't want to read what's out there because I don't trust what I'm reading. And so I have to think there are other people like me who are looking at the platform saying, you know what, I don't feel safe on this. Given all the data mining, the breaches and now this it, to me, it's like they're circling the drain. Well, and, and that's where, unfortunately, most people don't know that Facebook owns Instagram. Yeah. Because what a lot of people, especially young people, are doing is they're saying, yeah, I don't trust Facebook. I'm going to go use Instagram. And, oh, guess what? You're still in the family. And interestingly enough, there are antitrust lawyers in both the U.S. and in Europe who are making arguments about breaking up Facebook, about separating Instagram and WhatsApp, which is the messaging app that they own, from Facebook itself, so that you make sure that they aren't too powerful, that they aren't too big, and you have each of these companies operating independently. And again, that gives us options. That gives us alternatives in terms of where we want to go, whereas what Facebook's done is as soon as they see an app is becoming popular, well, they buy it as a way to uh, eliminate any competition, which then makes it harder for us when we choose to use a different social media platform. Just before I let you go, Jesse, you know, we've got this election coming up. The prime minister, you know, has a relationship with Facebook. They use Facebook as well as, as a social platform. But do you think that the prime minister has an obligation if they're serious about getting rid of fake news, you know, on, on given this particular report that they should say, look, you got to change the rules? Because if they don't lead by example, nothing's going to change. A hundred percent. And I think it's their credibility as a government that gets undermined. You know, for for a government to be legitimate, the election has to be perceived as fair. And if people believe that Facebook is biased towards the liberals, which I I think they have crowns perhaps to believe, 
then that undermines whatever outcome the election has. The same thing would be true if it applied to the Conservative Party. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that these rules should not just apply to Facebook. They should apply to Twitter. They mm-hmm. should apply to all these platforms. And I think that's how the government could do the right thing and ensure fairness. Jesse, fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, all the information. Appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. That is Jesse Hirsch joining us. Could you imagine a lawsuit between George Soros, Mark Zuckerberg? Ooh, that'd be fun. Clash of the Titans. No kidding. I, my money would be on Soros because I think Zuckerberg is far too thin skinned. Here on Point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.